0: You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for the win you can follow me on twitter at mary c clark i'm here with andrew berkshire nhl analyst for the montreal gazette who you can follow on twitter at andrew berkshire on this tuesday edition of the cross check we'll discuss being in the final years of some nhl greats and that this generation of hockey players is the best of all time plus it's our first day of off-season interviews with our fellow locked on nhl hosts including john chick of the locked on rangers podcast and jay forrester of locked on blue jackets so andrew before we start off today's show how you doing
1: I'm doing pretty well. We had a really good weekend. We had uh, a couple of friends visiting uh, from New York City who came up. They were like finally able to get across the border and re- visit uh, one of their families is from here. So uh, we were talking to them because they're pregnant. So that was like super exciting. Uh, very fun to see them for the first time in like, I, it must have been like almost three years now. Uh, it's So that was like a really nice uh, positive for our weekend, and we had, uh, you know, the the kids were pretty good this weekend. Miles has like a really mild cold, which you'd think, okay, so it's going to be awful, but actually, when they have a mild cold, where they're not actually awful during the day, they just have a little bit of a runny nose, they sleep in in the morning. So yesterday, I slept in until eight in the morning, and it was fabulous.
0: Oh, wow. It
1: was amazing. So I, I'm I'm well rested. I feel like a new person.
0: Oh well that's good that you're well rested. I'm feeling well rested too. Uh because over the last week I was not well rested. I was um you know, I like I said, I was dog sitting, uh so I would be getting up early. And I think I'd mentioned that I was tired then um the last couple of days I had gotten up like early at 5 a.m. to watch um, an esports team that I like that I've mentioned before on this podcast Uh, and those games are at 5 a.m. and I wanted to watch because we're nearing the end of the season and I want to support them and then I crashed really hard last night uh, while I was working was not feeling good Uh, so then I slept as soon as I got out of work last night I was like I'm going right to bed and I slept for like basically 11 hours and I'm like all right I'm feeling much better today so I'm very glad that we are both well rested and stuff like that but it does hurt me to hear you say that you slept until 8 a.m. I'm not looking forward to this in my future (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: this is not (laughs) this is not something that uh, I would have said four years ago I I was definitely one of those people who like my regular wake-up time was like 10 and then I just work late into the night Mm-hmm. And after kids, it's like they're going to get up at the very latest by seven.
0: Ugh, all power to you, Andrew. All power to you. But yeah. uh we all right, I guess t- it's time to transition into hockey because, you know, I guess speaking of, you know, getting older, uh, today's podcast topic, uh, before we dive into our interviews, um, Sydney Crosby turned thirty four uh yesterday, or well, I guess Sunday. You're hearing this on Tuesday, so Sunday. Um And that got me thinking, because I saw this on uh, r slash hockey, so the hockey Reddit. Um, And it really made me start thinking, uh, with Sidney Crosby turning 34, we're really about to hit a major exodus of players from the NHL uh, soon. I mean, I don't think Crosby's going to retire anytime soon, but we are facing down the last years of a lot of really, really good players. Um, Sydney Crosby. Just this is just a list, and they had a list on Reddit, and it's not the full list, but there's a lot more players than what I'm about to list off here. But we've got Crosby, Ovechkin, Chara, Bergeron, Weber, Getzlaff, Malkin, Marchand, Thornton, Latang, Giordano, Perry, and a lot more. We're really facing down, like, in the next handful of years, like, just a mass exodus of players that. A lot of people have grown up with, I mean, people like me, like I've mentioned before that uh, my hockey fandom is more new-ish. I really didn't get into it until like late middle school, early high school. Uh, So a lot of my time in the NHL has been defined by the Crosby Ovechkin era, I guess as we can call it, because they're two of the more uh, popular players, the best, the better players of this era. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Andrew, but it really struck me seeing that yesterday when I was like, man, we're really getting to the end of this. I feel old now.
1: Yeah. I mean, speaking of feeling old, it, it just reminds me of, there's like a viral tweet that goes around every once in a while. Cause I'm actually the same age as Sidney Crosby. I'm, I'm 34, although I'm like seven, six months uh, older. Uh, so there's a viral tweet that goes around. It's like, I'm not old, I'm only 32. And then it's like a sports broadcast. And there he goes, the oldest man in the league, 32 years old. It's amazing that he can still stand. (laughs) And it's like, that is kind of how it feels. Like, I don't feel that old, but then you look at like 34 is like the beginning of the end of most of these guys' careers. And I think you look back, and I think for people around, like in our age group, so much of the NHL for the last 15 years has been defined by the 2003 NHL entry draft. And you look at that list of the players that dominated the NHL for so long. And Marc-Andre Fleury almost retired this year. Eric Stahl looked like he was ready to uh, earlier this year. Nathan Horton's gone. Thomas Vanek, I'm pretty sure, is either still doing one-year deals or close to retiring. Like, some of the guys have been gone for a while. Milan Mahalik, Dion Phaneuf is retired. You know, like, there's a lot of these guys. We talked about Jeff Carter at the trade deadline. Looks like he's close to done. And then he had a spectacular run with the Penguins in the end of the regular season there. But a lot of these guys are close to the end. You know, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter being bought out at the end of their careers, kind of like taking a last flyer elsewhere. Ryan Kessler retired due to injuries. Mike Richards is gone. You know, that wave has already started to... It's beyond cresting, right? It's already started to fold back into the water. Those guys are moving out. And one of the interesting things about this for me, uh, looking at this age of players, is this is also the dawn of the analytics era in the NHL. So you have a lot of people in and around my age and a little bit older who this was the first era of players where you really started to see people boost them because of analytics, right? Like Patrice Bergeron for the longest time was like the poster boy for the analytics era, right? Where he was... You know, hockey people liked Patrice Bergeron, but analytics people were like, no, 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 this guy's like a top five player in the entire league and has been his essentially entire career. And we were like, oh, top five? Yes, top five. And like the fact is Bergeron's the one who's kind of sticking around and still looks elite, right? But eventually he is going to fade, as all players do. Age waits for no one. And I, I'm interested to see that first generation of analytics people if they stick to those players for longer and say, like, oh, well, you know, they still got something kind of like we criticized old media for doing, or if they're like, well, the numbers say they're declining, so they're declining, and let's just move on to the next generation, because I find that super interesting and, in, like, how people battle with their emotional attachment as much as you might say that it's, like, it doesn't even have to be about fan of a team. It could be just about you've invested so much in this player being good in what you've done for research it's hard to detach, detach yourself from that. And like for me, for example, you know, P.K. Subban. P.K. Subban's been on a steep decline for a few years now. So a lot of people expect me, because I was such a P.K. Subban booster, to be like, oh yeah, he's still the most amazing player. But like, he's, he's not. I would like for him to rediscover his game, because I think he's such an entertaining player when he's on his game. And I think injuries have really hampered that. But part of it is also that P.K. Subban, when you watch him now doesn't have a lot of creativity in his game. He does very simple things, and he, he's kind of an automaton in terms of uh, he does a few things that he's told he's been very good at, and some of them he is, but he doesn't have a lot of the flair that he had earlier in his career, and that happens as guys age, and you have to be able to recognize it. So I I find it it's a two-step thing where, like, yes, we're going to be saying goodbye to these players, but it's, it's also interesting to see who can... Uh, avoid the blind attachment to those players. And it's not even about criticism. It's just about, like, you know, being able to understand that it's their time has moved on, right? It's like that the Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson, PK Subban era of dominating the NHL from the back end is over. You know, now it's all about Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes and Adam, Adam Fox. Fox. And, like, there's a bunch of people this year that Ad- Adam Fox won the North. are so like, oh, I can't believe Adam Fox won the North. So, pay attention. He won it because he's incredible. I would have personally voted for Makar, but the gap is not large. It's understandable. And like, as much as people are attached to Victor Hedman, like Victor Hedman's no longer the best defenseman in the NHL, and he's not going to be. He's aged out.
0: Yeah. And that's a really, really good point in terms of like uh, ushering in the next generation, because we do have a wave of young stars to carry the banner Yeah, um, that, that um, you know, the Crosby and malkin ovechkin like that era of players has you know we have the next you know wave and they're already here i mean we've seen it Connor mcdavid um you know leon Dreistadel, uh kale mccarr austin matthews like all adam fox all these players all these young players they're here to carry the banner but this league is gonna look so different in three years five years 10 years down the line like I know it's hard to, like, I guess, project your mind into the future to think about it, just because players, like, these players have been such mainstays of the league for so long. Um, I am looking forward to it, but it really does make me sad that, like, we're facing down the final years of these great players' careers, and I mean... I don't know if we mentioned it when we talked about, you know, Alex Ovechkin, you know, getting a deal to, you know, stay in Washington. But, I mean, we're going to have a real chase on our hands to see if he, you know, catches Wayne Gretzky. And that's going to be really something. It's, it, 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 it's equal parts exciting and also sad because we're living through the final years of these players' careers. Yeah.
1: The end of Ovechkin is going to be... That's gonna be rough. It's, That's gonna be like, hard. I felt hard. the same way for Yarmer Yager. Like, and Yarmer Yager's end in the NHL was so unceremonious. The way he was kind of mishandled by the Flames and then just sent off to Europe. Like, Yarmer Yager should have. Well, I mean, he kind of did engineer himself like a going away tour over several teams for like half a decade, but. I I would have liked to see Yarmy Yager get a bit more of a send off from the NHL, and maybe we're in there when he gets inducted into the all of, into the Hall of Fame. But he like Alex Ovechkin when he announces his retirement is going to get all of the possible accolades.
0: Make a good point about Yager because I am like I said I'm a younger NHL fan, so I obviously knew the historic significance of you know Yager moving teams and eventually. You know, bowing out of the league. And I thought it was very unceremonious, but I didn't, I don't have the history, um, with him that many, um, older hockey fans have with him. Uh, so not to, not to call you old here, Andrew, but (laughs) there is a little bit of a divide between us in terms of our hockey fandom. Uh, so it is interesting. You mentioned that and you're right. I would like to see Avachkin get the accolades and all that. Um, and I really hope that we get a send off, um, worthy, of his greatness and I hope he breaks the record. I really think there's a legitimate chance that it pains me to look back on the time so that he's, you know, missed time between the lockouts and the COVID yeah. seasons. It really, that really hurts me because he would be much closer and it would be obviously way more attainable, but I think he's going to give it a legitimate shot. But before we end the segment, I wanted to ask, is this generation of hockey players the best ever?
1: Are we talking about the one that's fading out or the one that's coming up?
0: The one that's fading out because, okay. yeah, the one that's fading out because it's going to be hard to, you know, talk about uh, the future generation because their stories are still being written. A lot of these players, we know what they've been and they we know what their careers are. So I would like to, you know, I'd like to see if this is the best generation ever. What do you think?
1: Okay, I don't know if this is going to be a hot take or an icy cold take, but my opinion is that every generation is the best generation of hockey players To that point, Uh, the game has advanced so significantly over time. uh, It's become, it's gone from like a a league that just doesn't have a lot of attention paid to it from a coaching perspective in like the 70s and even the 80s, especially in goaltending, to something that's meticulously tracked and pushed. I think that the Crosby generation was the ultimate workman generation, where like you really pushed, uh, not, not necessarily. Um, hard work over skill, but there was less emphasis on creativity, whereas the younger generation coming up, the Austin Matthews, the Connor McDavid, those people had more time in practice for skills coaching as they came up. So I think that generation is going to eclipse this one, but the Crosby generation was the best generation up to that point.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that and I I'm biased because like you said, I I came up in this generation of hockey players. I I it, they really mean a lot to me even though, you know, my Flyers fandom came first. Um it really is something like I've I've mentioned it before. I may not like the Penguins but I always have time for Sidney Crosby because he's such a treat to watch. Um and I'm a huge fan of Alex Ovechkin too. I mean I was super stoked when he got his cup finally and I'm cheering him on to you know break the record cuz that's hockey history. Living through hockey history would be so cool. Uh but I'm biased and I definitely think that this generation is the best ever. But I am I I definitely am here for your uh argument and your I don't think that that's a a hot take or a cold take I think that makes sense I mean like it, the the way players prepare the way they get ready all that stuff that is to, to, they're just advances in the sport uh between yeah. then and now it it only it, makes it's not sense.
1: to admonish or diminish anything that came before right oh, like no. I think if you give Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux access to the training and equipment that modern players have they would still be what they are but today right like there's a famous quote from Mario Lemieux when he was in his prime, and they asked him, like, how does he get ready for training camp? Like, uh, how does he shed weight? Because I think they had mentioned, like, that Jerry Cheevers used to drive around with the heat on in his truck in the summer wearing a garbage bag to just shed weight <laughs> through sweat, which is not healthy. And you could probably, like, get in a major accident and pass out. But, uh he said that he stops putting ketchup on his French fries.
0: <laughs> uh, a good old Nathan <laughs> McKinnon we have here, don't we? Yeah,
1: total opposite. So, yeah, Nathan McKinnon and Mario Lemieux may not have gotten along. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so the idea that uh, today's athletes prepare in the same way as uh, yesteryear is just not true. And I-, I wonder if part of that is, like, it takes some of the fun out of the game, right? Like, you, you read, like, uh, The Game by Ken Dryden, which is the quintessential hockey book. And he talks about, you know, like after game beers and the bus. And now it's like half the players are like, oh, I don't drink during the season. <laughs> and like, not that they don't party. A lot of them do. But it's like the the sacrifices they make from like a food intake. There's just less fun. You know, there's there's less fun. And maybe that's just the natural progression of sports. But I, I get some of the idea of like l- like looking to yesteryear and being like, We're, we've lost something, you know
0: hmm. That's fair. I think that they're uh, that, you know, the younger generation can have fun in other ways. Uh, I, I really think that a lot of like, uh this has been a topic that's interested me for a while, but like the, the younger generation of hockey fans, I'm talking like the ones that make fan cams on Twitter, I see a little bit of that, I always find that they're an incredibly interesting group of people um so I think they definitely you know they pull the players personalities out and they you know they they're the ones you know making the memes and making the jokes um I'm re- I am really have the time of day for them because I really think that they're gonna you know carry the future of the sport the young players and also you know the young fans uh but I think that's a good way to leave it off because we you know dipped a little bit back into the the past of this sport and looking ahead to the future but we're gonna look ahead with um a couple of locked on hosts here we've got uh, two separate interviews uh, to, to kick off our, I guess, off-season project of trying to talk to as many locked-on hosts as we can uh, and talking to them about, you know, off-season acquisitions and the future of their teams and... We'll be leading it off first with uh, John Chick of Locked On Rangers. Uh, you'll hear that first. And then second, you'll hear uh, Jay Forrester with uh, Locked On uh, Blue Jackets. So those interviews will run back to back. And then you will hear us at the end with our pop culture segment. So we will see you after the break. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why and door often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, and welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL Show. We have with us today the first guest of our, I guess we're calling it like a locked on crossover, uh, uh, locked on, you know, events with all the NHL people. It's John Chick of a uh, Locked On Rangers. How you doing, John?
2: I'm doing great, Mary. Thanks for uh, having me on the show here. It's a privilege to be leading this whole thing off because I, I think it's going to be a great series that you guys are doing this off season here.
0: Thank you. I mean, it was mostly Andrew's idea. I'm just kind of running the show for today, but it it was uh, most of this came from Andrew. So I think uh, he, you should take a little bit of credit here for this, buddy.
1: I am always willing to take credit. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully everyone who uh, subscribes will have a full view of essentially every single team in the NHL before or by the time this project ends.
0: Yeah. And that, that was our goal. And uh, glad to have you starting us off. So Rangers, lots of moves happened. Uh, some good, some good. Not so good. So who is in and who is out so far this offseason for the Rangers?
2: Well, the biggest thing that happened and the move that's kind of uh, the most polarizing among Ranger fans is the trade that sent Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues. The Rangers, in exchange for that, got Sammy Blay as well as a second-round draft pick for next season. And I can see, you know, there's some fans that are upset about this, and I can certainly appreciate that and understand where they're coming from. Pavel Buchnevich is a personal favorite of mine and somebody that has spent half a decade with the New York Rangers, and he's literally gotten better with every single season that has passed. It's one of those moves where your team makes it and you're maybe not in love with the move, but for me, at least, I can at least understand where they're coming from and I can understand why they did it because Bucinavich was a restricted free agent. It's pretty obvious he was going to get a pretty significant pay bump as he did with the blues. He's now going to be making uh, $5.8 million per season over uh, I believe the next four years. And, you know, the Rangers, sooner or later, they're going to need that money to re-sign guys like Igor Shosturkin, which they just did the other day. They're going to need money to re-sign players like Adam Fox, Alexi Lafreniere down the road, Capo Caco. And so while it definitely hurts to lose Pavel Buchnevich, you know, I think it's just kind of a necessary evil and just kind of the nature of the business where you just, you can't keep everybody. You know, that that's just the way it goes in, in professional sports. You can't keep every single player on your team. And given the fact that they're going to need that money to resend players that are frankly more important to the long-term future of the Rangers and Pavel Buchnevich, I just think, again, it was just kind of a necessary evil. So that was kind of the big move as far as other players that, you know, they brought in uh, the barclay Goodrow trade. I think everybody really liked that. They sent a seventh-round pick to Tampa Bay to bring in barclay Goodrow and give him a new contract. And he's certainly going to make the team, uh, you know, tougher, more physical. I think in an ideal world, he'll probably be the center for the third line there. I think he'd fit great there. And the big thing for the Rangers this this offseason is they were just absolutely hell-bent on making this team bigger, tougher, more difficult to play against. And so they brought in, you know, Goudreau and Sammy Blay. Uh, Patrick Namath was another. They signed him away from the Colorado Avalanche. And Ryan Reeves, you know, they traded a third-round draft pick to the Vegas golden Knights to acquire Reeves. And there might be some people who, who would think that that maybe is a little bit high for Reeves, but again, you know, the Rangers, they were on this crusade to make their team bigger, tougher, and more physical. And certainly Ryan Reeves gives you that. Uh, as far as guys that they lost, you know, obviously I already mentioned Bucinavich, Uh, but then you've got Colin Blackwell. He was selected by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft and uh, Tony D'Angelo. Obviously. I mean, I don't think we need to go into too many details here. We pretty much knew that uh, he was going to be a goner uh, really since even the start of this past season. Um, so the Rangers, you know, overall they've, they've lost some scoring, but I think there's a belief there that they're going to be okay in that department because, you know, they've still got their top guys. They've still got Panarin. They've still got Zibanejad, Stroman, Kreider. And then you've got these young guys like Lafreniere, Kako, Kraftsoff Hedl, guys who I think the Rangers are counting on to kind of step up and fill the void that, you know, Pavel Buchnevich and Colin Blackwell left. So they've clearly made their team tougher and more physical. And they have lost a little bit of scoring, but I think that they feel like uh, other guys that are on this roster right now are going to contribute more offensively than maybe they have in the past. So that's kind of where things stand as of now.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And also there's the the elephant in the room here is the Rangers seem to be still in on Jack Eichel, right? So oh, yeah the the thing that I've seen going around in the last week or so on social media is the possibility of Mika Zibanejad going the other way as part of that package, which I think a lot of Rangers fans would be a little bit upset about because the has ingratiated himself so well in New York and he's, you know, essentially gotten even better every single year. But when you have a chance to grab Jack Eichel, you, you kind of have to do that, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of lukewarm on, on, Jack Eichel, just when you consider the, the King's ransom that it would take to acquire him. When you consider the fact that, you know, he does have this neck injury and there's all this weird stuff going on between, Uh, What, you know, he wants to have the surgery. The Sabres don't want him to have the surgery. And, you know, I'm trying to, because I've I've seen those rumors too, Andrew, where, you know, the Mika Zibanejad might be involved in the trade. I can't imagine though, why the Sabres would want Mika. Mika's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's also going into the last year of his contract and he'll be an unrestricted free agent when the season ends. So I don't think the Sabres are in some one year Stanley Cup or bust window. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I See, when when they added his name to the uh the trade discussions, I'm wondering if maybe it's a three-way deal and maybe Mika would end up going somewhere else and the Rangers would bring in Eichel, and you know, maybe the Sabres would get prospects from both the Rangers and this mystery third team, whoever it might be. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really buying it though that Mika Zibanejad would um would be going to the Buffalo Sabres. And on top of that, he's got a no move clause. So he can pretty much nix that whole thing if if he's not really feeling going to the Buffalo Sabres. But Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I've I've heard all these different hypotheticals and these different packages and, you know, maybe the Sabres are trying to hold out for Capo Caco and the Rangers don't want to do that. A lot of different ways this thing could shake out, but it's basically the, uh, the world's longest staring contest at this point. I mean, there's just, it's been going on for more than a year and we've talked about it on and off on Locked On New York Rangers and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it going forward as well.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's almost a boring story now with Eichel, right? Because it's been going on so long and there's so much speculation and nothing ever seems to be concrete except for the Jack Eichel's camp is very upset with the Buffalo Sabres. That's the only information we really know for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, at some point, I just want some finality here. If the Rangers are going to do it, let's go ahead and do it. And if not, and he gets traded somewhere else, that's fine, too. There's a part of me that, you know, it's very tempting. It is tempting to have a player, you know, a young player with the upside of Jack Eichel on your team. Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm just ready for this to be over, man. And, you know, sooner or later, we can just kind of move on and start talking about some other things. But yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I'm I'm sure there's many twists and turns yet to come in the uh, Jack Eichel saga here.
0: I was looking ahead to the start of the season for the Rangers. And of course, their opening game is against the Washington Capitals. Oh, yeah. Uh, Did I have a question for you since you had mentioned that you think that the toughness that the Rangers added in this offseason may be a good thing. Did Tom Wilson break this team or do you think that their, you know, the desire to get tougher will make them better in the long run? Or you do you think that maybe it was like a mistake to try and go in, go all in, you know, to try and grab people like, you know, Ryan Reeves as a Tom Wilson deterrent, or was this a good thing for the Rangers?
2: No, I mean, I I wouldn't say that um, Tom Wilson broke the Rangers or anything like that. I mean, that's kind of a narrative that I've seen out there a little bit as well. I think more than anything, what that whole incident did over those two games there, those two wild games that they played near the end of the season, it just kind of um, shined a light on something that has been something of a weakness for the Rangers. It made them a little bit more aware of an issue that they already had. I believe even if that stuff with Tom Wilson had never have happened and you know, Chris know is now the GM, it's his first year as a GM, he'd been the assistant GM the last couple of seasons. I do believe he was going to go out there and look to add more physicality and add more toughness. And I don't want to make it sound like the Rangers didn't have any of that because they've got guys like Jacob Truba, Ryan Lindgren. These are old school defensemen. I mean, they'll knock your head off. They do it clean, but you know, they'll, they'll, they'll lay out if if the opportunity is there. But you know, when you look at this Ranger team, this, this lineup over these past past couple of seasons, you know, the top six guys, you look at that and you could put them up against, you know, I don't want to say any team in hockey, but they're up there. You know, they got a lot of big time scoring threats in the top six. It kind of, Tails off a little bit in the bottom six. And, you know, that's where it's kind of been a top heavy roster these past few seasons. But I think adding these depth guys, these, these tough guys, you know, your your uh, Sammy Blaze, your Barclay Goodrose, uh Dryden Hunt was another guy that they brought in. Uh, Jared Tenorthy, he's a defenseman, but he'll go out there and he'll drop the gloves when the occasion calls for it. I think now what you're gonna see is just a more balanced team because the skill has been there. They're a very exciting team to watch, but now uh they add that physicality and You know, I feel like from jury's perspective, they have not just wanted to be on par with other teams. As far as toughness and physicality, they are looking to turn something that was a weakness into a big time strength. Because if you look at this Ranger roster, now they have as much size and strength and nastiness, use whichever adjective you want to use. They have as much of that stuff as I think just about any team in hockey. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens going into this season. You know, I, again, I do, sympathize with ranger fans who are upset about losing Buchnevich and they feel like we've lost a little bit of scoring but they've unquestionably undeniably added a lot of toughness to this team and i think that's definitely a good thing going forward
1: yeah i think the rangers are a good team to start off this project because i don't know if there's any other team that had as much changeover, top to down in the organization as, as the rangers did over this i, I want to say summer but i guess it harkens back all the way to the spring essentially all right before the playoffs uh, the rangers have changed management uh, they've changed coaching. You know, like, how much do you expect the philosophical approach of the team to change outside of the the tougher bottom six, bottom end defenseman thing? Is is it going to be the same essential style of play for the Rangers, or is is it going to be quite the shakeup?
2: No, I mean, I think for the most part, you know, you leave guys like Mika Zabandjad, assuming he's still there, you leave guys like him and Panarin and, uh, you know, Strom has really established himself as a nice second line center for this team, Kreider. I think you leave these guys to their own devices. I don't think you'd do anything that's radically different. I mean, I do know that Gerard Gallant, and first of all, let me just say, I am absolutely thrilled that they chose him of all the coaches, the names that were thrown around that were available. I think that he was the guy for this job. It just feels like it's the right coach at the right time uh, on the right team. And, something that's kind of his calling card to me at least is that he just gets the most out of his players from the superstar player all the way down to, you know, the grinded out type players on the fourth line. I mean, you look at the job that he did with the Florida Panthers, as well as the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, he took an expansion team, to the Stanley cup finals, which is something that I still don't feel like people realize like how impressive that really was. And I realized there were some good players on that team. You know, they did pretty well for themselves in the expansion draft that year, but you've got a bunch of strangers coming into this locker room and he galvanizes all of them, takes them to the Stanley cup finals. And uh, again, you know, I I just feel like he's the coach that he will get the most out of you, no matter what your skill set is. And for the most part, I don't think too much is going to change. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the line combinations this season, I think that, um, you know, a lot of us have in our heads right now uh, an idea of who's going to be playing with who. But, you know, Major Glant shakes things up a little bit. I saw, you know, I welcome anybody who listens to Lockdown Rangers to email the show. And I saw this idea of kind of super stacking the top line, so to speak. It puts Zibanejad and Panarin and Heedle out there together. And Heedle's intriguing on the top line. I, I think he should definitely uh, get the opportunity I think it's more likely that it'll probably be Caco, but yeah, I mean, to me, this should be an open tryout. If you want a role in the top six, go get it. If you want to be in a top four, you know, defense defenseman role, go get it. I think that's the best way to do this. Given the fact that like you said, Andrew, you know, the whole organization has undergone a shakeup and you know, you've got a whole new coaching staff, a new GM. I think that pretty much everybody should be able to go out there and have the opportunity to claim any role that they want to get.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, Before we let you go, what are your expectations for this season? Um, It is we're back to the same old divisions uh, like before. uh, So the Rangers will be back in the uh, Metropolitan with some heavy hitters. Uh, What are you expecting out of the Rangers this season?
2: I think uh, certainly the playoffs are a realistic goal and a realistic expectation. And, you know, to your point, Mary, I think, you know, these I don't want to say division realignments because it's not really being realigned. We're going back to normal is what we're doing. But uh, I think the Rangers are one of the biggest winners from that, because if you look at um, the East division this past season, I'm not making any excuses. I'm just stating facts here. You know, they're going up against teams that have won the Stanley cup teams that have gone on deep playoff runs, you know, year in and year out. I mean, the Bruins are always there. The Penguins are always there. The Capitals are always there. It was always going to be an uphill battle to make the playoffs by finishing in the top four in that division, which is what the Rangers would have had to do last season. Instead they finished fifth. And I think, you know, going and and playing some teams from around the league that, you know, maybe they they can pick up a couple of wins against uh, from outside of this division. You get away from your Boston Bruins. I mean, I realize they're not in the same division this year, but you get away from the Penguins, you get away from the Capitals, you get away from the Bruins a little bit, and maybe you can knock off some of the weaker teams around the league and pick up some points there. And I think it could be kind of a photo finish. I think the Rangers might be one of the last one or two teams into the playoffs. They might be one of those wild card teams. But yeah, I mean, I, I think if you set your expectations, if you're a Ranger fan and you set your expectations as anything lower other than making the playoffs, then I think you've already sold this team short. I think they should probably get in there at the end of the year. As far as like Stanley Cup contenders, I don't think they're quite there yet, but we've seen examples over the years where you know, I mean, take this past season, for example, you know, nobody thought the Montreal Canadians were going anywhere, but once you get in, everybody's got a shot at it. It's, it's not like the NBA where you can rule out half the teams. Once the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, everybody really does have a chance to, you know, make a, make a crazy run and go to the finals and maybe lift the cup. So never say never. I, I think there's still maybe a year away from being like a true Stanley Cup contender, but yeah, playoffs this season. I mean, absolutely. That should be the expectation. That should be the goal for this team.
1: And I think you've got a situation in New York as well that, say, Alexi Lafreniere and Capocacco both have their breakout seasons this year. I think it goes from a hopefully they make the playoff season to like, oh, anything could actually happen with this team season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the two guys that are, uh, to your point, Andrew, they're kind of uh, under the microscope, shall we say. Um, I could even throw Vitaly off in there as well they took him in the first round. I believe he was, he was either seventh or ninth overall. I, I always get that mixed up. I would have to look that up, but he, bottom line, he was a very high draft pick and he made his NHL debut last season, showed a little bit of promise in the few amount of games that he played. And uh, Philip Heedle, you know, very, very streaky, but I think those four players, I mean, if they, if two or three or all four of them really take that next step forward next season, then that's when as a Ranger fan, things get really exciting. And, and you start saying, look out, you know, this team could do some damage.
1: All right. Absolutely. Well, that
0: was great. Uh, plug your stuff before you go, please.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, check out the locked on New York Rangers podcast. I mean, you can get it anywhere that you get your podcast. We pretty much do this every day. I mean, I know it's, we're into, uh, August here, so we're down to three days a week, but during the season, five days a week. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter at J 17, or you can find the, uh, podcast handle on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mary, Andrew, thanks for having me. This is a ton of fun. And uh, any general hockey fans out there, uh, definitely check out the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. All
1: right. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, John.
0: Yeah. And up next, we're going to have Jay Forster of uh, Locked On uh, Blue Jackets to uh, round out our first day of this, these crossover episodes. So we'll talk to you later coming up after the break. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors well, you're missing out, as you've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Bilt Bar, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Bilt Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors. All tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie, or whatever you'd like. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. Today we've got with us for one of our little mini interviews, we got Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets. How you doing?
3: Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, enjoying the weather. It's, uh, it's pretty nice over here, so uh, I hope it's, it's nice where you are uh
0: sadly here in Pennsylvania it is hot uh we're in another bit of a hot streak but uh you know we're getting close to fall um so I can't complain too much because I really love the fall weather and uh it'll definitely be nice to take a break from the the sweltering heat I don't know about you Andrew we haven't had a discussion about uh our our temperature differences in a while and uh and um as you may know Andrew is Canadian and I'm American and I use Fahrenheit (laughs) So well, this is yes. a this is an ongoing bit for this podcast. I don't know about you, Andrew. How's it going up there? We
1: we never know what we're talking about with with the weather, but uh, yeah, we actually had a pretty cool like fall type weather week over the last week, but uh, that all changes today. We're going up into I would say, in, in your terms, Mary, into the hundreds. We've got the next day in terms of Celsius. Today's thirty nine, tomorrow's thirty nine, Wednesday's forty, and Thursday's forty two.
0: Wow! Yeah, no, that's
1: that's too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hot. <laughs> too much summer. Yeah, it's I think very just, humid as well.
0: Just a little bit too hot, but I guess we'll you know cool it down a little bit with some hockey talk because we wanted to have you on to discuss the Blue Jackets, and uh, we're doing this mini series of interviews with a bunch of the Locked On hosts to you know kind of preview, I guess, the next season and also kind of look back at some of the changes. So, first question we have for you is: Who is in and who is out so far this off season for the Blue Jackets?
3: Oh man, I mean who who isn't at this point? Like it's, <laughs> been, a, uh, it's been a it's been a it's been a big off season uh bigger than I was expecting. I feel a little bit so like just before the trade deadline and the draft and everything, not the trade deadline, sorry. Just before the draft and the expansion draft and free agency hit. I was like, man, we haven't done anything in like a month and then suddenly obviously uh Beirutha goes to Seattle. He ends up coming back, but we lose Cam Atkinson to Philadelphia, which I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we managed to ship Seth Jones off for a pretty pretty nice uh, return. Um, the free agents that we traded away at the deadline last year, they've all gone to new places. Uh, David savard has gone to Montreal Felino is in Boston and Riley Nash is in Winnipeg, I believe. Uh, So we've we've lost a lot of our what I would consider core guys, really. Um, There's only like four guys left on the team that I would really consider as part of part of the core going forward. But we picked up Jake Voracek from Philadelphia, which uh, took me a minute to be okay with. I was really mad about the trade. To begin with, uh, I didn't think it was a very good one for us. I thought it was a brilliant one for, for Philadelphia, but uh, it. Uh, I'm excited to see what Voracek does if we staple him to line A and just kind of let those two go. Uh, we picked up Alan Boquist from Chicago, really good young defenseman. Uh, we picked up Jake Bean from Carolina uh, using the second that we got from the Seth Jones trade. So it's, uh, it's going to be a very different Blue Jackets team stepping on the ice uh, for this opening. I believe, I looked it up actually, I think of last year's opening roster or um, I guess earlier this year because time is weird and makes no sense anymore. Um, <laughs> I think we've lost eight guys from last year's opening night roster. Which feels like a it feels like yeah. a lot of guys. That's yeah, I was like almost fifty
1: percent turnover, right? Like that's yeah. that's a lot of turnover for one one team one in one NHL season. And obviously, we can't ignore the fact that uh, despite the fact that one of his assistants has been promoted to head coach, John Tortorella is gone as well. So there's a change from that perspective for the Blue Jackets as well. Do you expect that the team is going to play a very different style next season with all these changes? Um not necessarily like super different. Um,
3: I am really interested to see what Brad Larson does. Um, cause I think he's worked with Tortorella for a long time. He's been in the blue jackets organization a long time. So I don't necessarily expect like a complete coaching tear down and, Oh, look, we have to learn 50 new systems. And, you know, I think we're going to be able to see shades of Tortorella in what Larson does with the team. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for a new coach just because not even necessarily for like the on-ice, the hockey stuff, but I think um, one of the problems I had with Tortorella near the end was it felt like he was so uh, trigger happy with benching players for making mistakes that players didn't want to try anything risky because if it ended badly, they would end up on the bench. And I think that's partially why we struggled on the power play so much is it felt almost like there was some kind of like uh, paralysis almost in that they didn't want to give the puck away and you know a shorthanded chance to go the other way so I'm interested to see what happens now that Tortorella is not kind of looming over them terrifying them about making a mistake uh, everything I've heard said seems to think that Brad Larson is much more of a, uh, a players coach and I mean I like your opinion may vary on whether a players coach is is a good thing for a team or a bad thing for a team but i think after tortorella we need a guy that's willing to tell the players when they're doing well and not just criticizing them
0: yeah no that makes sense and i mean now tortorella is espn's problem
3: uh god that's i saw that hiring i was like that might be my favorite move of the offseason like
0: Yeah, we had we had talked about it on the podcast last time I think Andrew and I did, uh, and there is a potential for it to go wrong, but there is a potential there for it to be interesting stuff. Uh, But we had also, yeah, but we had also talked about the uh, Voracek and Cam Atkinson trade too on this podcast, and it was interesting to hear you say that um, because I know that. Uh, Atkinson was a heart and soul guy, like a very big character guy uh, for the Blue Jackets. Uh, But um, I'm a primarily like a Flyers fan. I, you know, grew up in the Philadelphia area. Um, So I'm really I was really interested to hear that side of that trade. Uh, but I think you'll like Voracek. He is more of a pass first player. But if you stick him alongside a shooter, he-, he will generate the points. So obviously the attitudes are different. I mean, the whole thing about Voracek is uh, if you've seen the clip of him calling a Philadelphia media member a weasel, uh, I would yep. definitely I would <laughs> definitely timer. go. Yeah. All All time. That. yeah that is, yeah, that, that is that's but... <laughs> that's the energy that he brings uh and i know some people may not like that but it really is a unique uh and fun energy so i really think that the blue jackets i think will benefit from it but it was interesting like to hear you say that the whole cam At- atkinson thing it's uh it really must be different to you know have such a changeover in i guess the team attitude but yeah, what i guess sure.
3: and oh sorry go ahead. oh no keep going Um, I was just going to say that, like, for me, the issue was never we've picked up Jake Voracek. It was always that we had to give up Cam Atkinson to get him. Mm. Like, I think Voracek is such a good player. Like, he... I feel like he always kind of flies under the radar. But there was a couple of seasons ago, I think maybe like 2016, where he just kind of led the league in points for, like, the first 75 games of the season. And everyone was, like, waiting for him to settle back down and kind of fall down the rankings. And he kind of didn't really do that. So... I I think he's a really good player. Um, for me, it was it felt very much um, not quite like a kick in the teeth for the fans, but we have there's this issue in Columbus. of Players don't want to stay, and how do we get players to stay? And Cam Atkinson was one of the, like, three players that went on record and was constantly like, no, I love Columbus. I don't get why people would want to leave Columbus. He, like, he started a family here. He set up a hockey academy here. And it felt a little bit like, wh- like, why would we want to trade one of the, like, three players that have, that want to stay and genuinely love the city? You know, like, I feel like he's a guy that we would want to keep around if nothing else. But I... Yeah, I'm I'm super happy with Voracek. He seems like he uh, really likes Columbus as well. I know he talked about coming home, which was really nice. Obviously, he started his career here. So uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough watching Cam Atkinson play in orange, but I'm super excited for Voracek to, to come back.
0: Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say that I I hope Philadelphia takes good care of them, uh, and I know the fan base is antsy for success, so we'll <laughs> see. But I I really think a guy like that will do the team good, uh, and in turn, I think will make the atmosphere in Philly. Uh, much better but uh, I don't know if Andrew if you have any other questions but I wanted to at least finish off with like the ones we have here on this list is what are your expectations for this season we're going back to the regular you know division format that we've had in the past so you know the Blue, Blue Jackets will be back in the metro with a bunch of powerhouses uh, so what are your expectations for this upcoming year?
3: Um, I mean first and foremost I'm just really glad that we don't have to play Tampa eight times this season, <laughs> like that was, that was too many times to play Tampa. Um, my irrational NHL rival team is the Dallas Stars and eight, I, uh, playing the Dallas Stars eight times was too many times. So I'm excited for them to go back to the West. Um, expectations for this team is so tough. I was actually talking to Sarah Arvanpato for the national show uh, last night and she asked kind of the same question. And I was like, listen, this blue tickets team could challenge for, like first overall in the draft, or they could just storm their way into the playoffs. Like, and I wouldn't be surprised by either either option. Um, I feel like whenever I think the Blue Jackets are going to be good, they turn around and disappoint me. And whenever yeah. I make my peace with them being bad, they then turn around and make the playoffs. So it's so tough to be like, it's so tough to look at this team and be like, oh, this is where they're going to end up because it genuinely could, it could go either way. I, I'm just kind of excited to be along for the ride. Um, hopefully this season's a little bit more fun. To cover, uh, hopefully, there's less kind of interpersonal issues on the team. Obviously, I think the the Dubois um, situation last season really kind of, I think they really struggled to kind of get out from under that. I think there was uh, some issues in the locker room. Uh, I don't know whether they were Dubois issues or somebody else's issues. Obviously, there's a lot of issues with Tortorella. So I'm hoping the new coach, uh, new, you know, a fairly new group of players, uh it should be it should be fun. Um I don't know that we'll be very good, but I think it'll probably be more exciting hockey than than the style that John Tortorella
1: had them playing. Yeah, just just to layer into the expectations, like how much is the boomer bust quality of the blue jackets tied to how boomer bust Patrick Line is? Because you know you lose a guy like Cam Atkinson who his premier attribute is like fork checking and putting the puck into the net, you know that some of that ice time especially on the power play is going to go to Patrick line. He's going to be the guy that everything focuses through, especially, I think, you know, it makes sense for Voracek to be the kind of like the puck possession and playmaker guy on a line, a line. If line, a can get it done this year, does that drastically improve how good this team is?
3: Oh, hundred percent. Like Patrick, I think, I mean, it depends on a few things. It depends on who we pair Zach with because obviously there's kind of an open spot on that top line. It could be at a It could be uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. It could be a guy who we don't expect to just kind of turn up to training camp and, and take that spot. Uh, so I think it depends a lot on the defense, uh, the goaltending, if we can get Mosleykins to play as well as I think he can. Um, that'll help. But yeah, Patrick Laine, I feel like of everyone on this team, Patrick Laine is a player who could just decide to drag us to the playoffs. I don't think he's going to do a Conor McDavid and score at like a two point per game pace for the season or something insane. But he legit, I legitimately think he could score 50 goals uh, if we get him going. And uh, yeah, he could, he could just decide to, the blue jackets are going to be good and everyone else just kind of goes along with it. But also, you know, like you say, boom or bust, if he has another disappointing season, I, uh, we don't really have anyone to pick up that slack you know if if Crosby Mm. struggles in Pittsburgh they've got Malkin right behind him you know if McDavid struggles they've got Dreisaitl right behind him it's it's we don't really have like a a second tier star guy we've got guys like Arnold Bjorkstrand who has led the team in scoring for the last couple of seasons Uh, Zach Rinsley scored 20 goals a couple of seasons ago which for a defenseman is pretty good um but yeah it feels like a lot of this year's success and also future success of the team kind of rests on Patrick Line because he's on a one-year contract at the minute. He basically just signed his qualifying offer uh, and it feels very much like a a a show me kind of contract. You know, if he, if he does well this year, then I think we'll sign him long-term and hope that it continues on. If he doesn't perform very well, uh, I think it might be taking a couple steps back in the, uh, the rebuild. I know Kekalainen doesn't like calling it a rebuild. He thinks it's a retool, but I mean, semantics at this point, you know, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess one more question before we let you go, Jay, Max Domi, is he going to start the the season with the Columbus Blue Jackets? You read from insiders up here and at least in Canada, that the Blue Jackets just don't believe that he's a fit on the team. Does he get a chance to prove that he could be, or is he just sent off? Oh
3: man. I mean, it's so tough. I feel like I probably was a little harsh on Domi this season, um, but I have some questions about his off-ice behaviour or his off-ice personality. Um, I have some issues – I have some questions about whether he's actually a decent centre or if he's a winger pretending to be a centre, because um, I know that was a big issue with him in Montreal was – they wanted him on center, and then they were like, "Actually, we have four guys that are better at playing center, so we'll just put him on the wing." And I mean, he he started off second line wing. Uh, sorry, second line center last season. Um, and it was very much like, "Oh, do you like just see what see what he's got? Uh, do you want to challenge Dubois for that first line center spot?" Obviously, he traded Dubois, and he had a chance to really kind of take take that opportunity and run with it, and he didn't. Um, so I I don't know if he has a future on this team. I think he'll probably be there opening night. I don't know whether he's playing center. Uh, and I don't know how long he stay he stays a blue jacket, but I wouldn't be surprised if, depending on how this season goes, we either let him walk at the end of the season. I believe he's a UFA at the end of the season. I could be wrong. Um Yeah, UFA. UFA, yeah. So we might we could let him walk, or depending on how the blue jackets are doing, you know, if we are our sellers at the deadline, we could flip him. Uh so, but yeah, I don't see him being a blue jacket longer than this season. I don't think he's a fit with the team on the ice. Uh, and I don't know how much of his off ice uh, personality gels with the rest of the team. All right.
0: Makes sense. Perfect. All right. Uh, so before we let you go, plug your stuff, please.
3: Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R podcast is at lo underscore bluejacket and you can find us uh literally wherever you get your podcasts if you have a podcast app you can find us apple spotify uh google podcasts odyssey everywhere everywhere you can find this show in fact
0: <laughs> <laughs> perfect and we love the we love the synergy right there uh thank you again for uh taking your time to be on the show we'll talk yeah, to nice. you right after the we'll talk to you guys right after the break BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, signup bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 15% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Promo code Locked On. All right, Andrew. That was a really nice series of interviews we had there.
1: Yeah, it's always really fun. And I think getting to know uh, more closely the other Locked On hosts is really fun. And I'm excited for this project because essentially every casual fan in hockey can subscribe to the Crosscheck NHL show today and they can learn about what every single team did during the off season in a quick interview with local experts and essentially get a giant preview for next season that's doled out over the summer. So you're not going to go into training camp in October and say, Oh, this guy signed with that team. You're going to know.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great, it's a great way to, you know, get everybody ready for the season because this off season is going to be pretty short, so we're gonna—it's yes. a very quick turnaround time. So, uh, we'll have all that content coming for you in the weeks to come. Uh, so that's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to the future of what we're—the more interviews we're set to do. Because you're right, it is nice to get to know the other locked-on hosts, since we don't really interface with them as much on this show. But uh, to close out today's show, we're gonna finish up with our pop culture roulette. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, how about you start off today?
1: Yeah, so I one last note on the Olympics, just because it happened after we recorded the podcast last week. I've got to talk about Canada's first ever gold medal in women's soccer, because this is something that meant a lot to the country as a whole. And, you know, like me specifically and obviously everyone on that team. But Christine Sinclair, my God, Uh, I've been watching Christine Sinclair since she played in the under 17 tournament in Edmonton which was, I think now, 22 years ago, because she was 16 years old, or like 21 years ago, but before her birthday this year. And I remember that tournament like it was yesterday. My parents and I and my brothers had gone camping, and we brought an old TV out with an antenna so that we could catch the game on the public broadcaster and watch it while we were out in the middle of the forest. And Canada lost narrowly, as they so often did in soccer for so long. They finally... Finally got over the hump of the USA, uh, thanks to a penalty, and it just—it felt friggin' good, man. <laughs> to watch Christine Sinclair finally get that reward that she's been so close to for so long, and that like they've earned a spot here so many times and just lost on a technicality or an infraction in the final minutes, it felt good, it felt so good <laughs> to watch those girls get what they deserved, and you know, from Sinclair to all the young girls on the team who carried it into the final moments moments and through overtimes. And to Steph Labay, the goaltender, who was smiling and laughing during the penalties to decide the gold medal, where personally I would be vomiting from the stress and pressure, because there's nowhere where a goaltender in any sport is at a bigger disadvantage than penalties in soccer. Like you have to guess which way they're gonna shoot, and then you still have to save the ball if you guess right. Like your chances of making an impact are so small, and she was just incredible. So that was my biggest takeaway. From the time that we were off, and I, I just, I loved it. I cried when they won.
0: Yeah, that's 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 what the Olympics are about. And I, like, I think I've said that phrase before, but it really is. It's those moments. It's the emotion. It's the, like, the human element. It's all. It's all there. I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. Uh, I really can't hate Canada and soccer. Like I said, I don't really have a soccer background, uh, so I'm happy. Uh, it really, seemed like a really fantastic moment, um, and. It is sad that the Olympics are over, but we'll have it again in less than a year. We're going to have the Winter Olympics coming up. So that'll be the more contentious one, I think, between the two of us. Uh, so yes. look forward to that uh, when February rolls, rolls around, because, boy, I don't think I, I <laughs> maybe we'll have to abstain on the podcast for a couple of weeks from talking about it, because depending on what happens, I might get heated. Uh But that's awesome. And like I said, Sad the Olympics are over, but we'll be getting a new one, another one in, um, just a short order. Uh, as for me, I've got two things. One, um, the Philadelphia Phillies, my, my hometown team, my baseball team, they're on an eight game winning streak. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know how much you follow baseball, Andrew, but, uh. Zero. <laughs> okay. The Phillies, um, usually a very tragic team, <laughs> usually very bad, have gone on an eight game winning streak and our, I think, two and a half games above the New York Mets now. Um, and they've just looked really fun. Uh, it's been a very long time since Philadelphia has had any real baseball energy. Uh, basically since they won in 2008. Uh, they won the World Series in 2008. That was like that, those years, like in like, one of the last we've ever had, like, actual baseball energy in, you know, this area. Uh, and seeing, you know, the stadium, like, uh, Citizens Bank Park gets super excited, uh, seeing it near full capacity. Just it's incredible stuff, and I'm actually supposed to go to a Phillies game this upcoming weekend. Uh, so I hope that they continue winning because uh, that would be really nice to see a winning baseball team. But I kind of had to let baseball slide a little bit because of the Olympics. But my my Phillies are you know uh, on an eight game winning streak, and I'm very happy. It's really nice to be excited about baseball again because. It's fun to get excited about baseball, but when your team is bad, it's not really fun. It's just a slog of a season. So Isn't
1: sports happiness so much better than sports pain? <laughs>
0: yes, yes. And we sit sports through so we sit through so much just for a glimmer of a chance at sports happiness. Yep. It's most of the time sports pain, but then you get those sports happiness moments. And it's so hard.
1: makes it worth it.
0: Yep. Oh, it's very worth it. Uh and the last thing I had is I've been playing more Final Fantasy fourteen with my friends. Uh, and I got through the first expansion. So I'm the furthest I've ever been uh in this game, and it I've been really having a good time. It's just nice to hang out with my friends and play video games. I've talked about it before, but I've just been having a good time. Uh and hopefully I'll get to see some of my friends this, this weekend when we have a brunch together. That would be nice. Uh yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm enjoying spending my off-season with my friends, even if we can't always get together in person because we're not all in the same place. But some of us can get together. But, you know, it's it's nice to be able to see friends, hang out with people. I mean, you mentioned up at the top, Andrew, that you'd seen people for the first time in a while. And it's just, it's good to be with friends. And it is, especially after this last year, and I mean, facing down, whatever we're going to face down with, you know, the variants and stuff like that. Makes me think I'm talking like an episode of Loki or something, but
1: I know, right? That yeah. was so much more of a fun use of variant. I'll tell, know, I'll say yeah, that.
0: I will say, yep, that is absolutely true. But it is just, it's nice to hang out with friends, and I definitely recommend if you can hang out virtually. Um, be safe if you hang out, you know, in person, but just. <sighs> It's nice. I've missed my friends, Andrew. I really
1: have. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. And we, we've hung out with some friends who've gone to like a birthday party for Dylan two weeks ago, which was really fun. But having people like inside our home was like a big difference maker. We had like friends over for dinner and that it just felt so normal. You know, it was like it was weird. Yeah, but at the same time, really gratifying. So I swear to God, for people who are refusing to get vaccinated, if you cause a fourth wave so bad that we have to lock it down again, I'm going to be real, fu- <laughs> real real angry. I know I'm done with this. And it's your fault right now. <laughs>
0: Andrew is close to breaking down on the podcast right now. Yes. You're you're like the like seconds from snapping. So I think I'm gonna end it there before <laughs> before, you know, uh we go off the rails too much here. But uh that's all we have for you today on the CrossTrack NHL show as part of the locked on podcast network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at CrossTreck NHL on Twitter, meet at Mary C Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with some more puck talk. See you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game as you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts.